Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? We got something to move tonight, and we start the whole local thing off. Help me, anything move, we knock out. Let's go. Don't play intramurals, brother. What's going on, people? I want to welcome all of you to another edition of Zone Coverage on T2Q. My name is Q, and this is my podcast. And on today's podcast, we'll discuss sports, mainly the NFL. Uh, talk about last week's game. And uh, afterwards, we may get into a, a little separate discussion um, as we break down a few of the games from last week. But um, if you want to learn how you can follow the show, then go to talktoq.com, sign up for my email newsletter, and that way you can have the podcast delivered to your inbox every time they drop. So you can keep up with the show that way at talktoq.com. Sign up for the email newsletter. All right. Without further ado, let me go ahead and go to the phone lines and welcome on my man Buck. Calling from the 850 area code of Pensacola, Florida. What's happening, man? What's up? How's everybody doing this evening? Doing well, man. No time to lollygag. We'll get straight to the body bag. And we'll start off with your boys. Pittsburgh 27, Miami 14. Uh, 59,000 people at Heinz Field saw the Steelers handle business. Um, on Monday Night Football, like they always do, is 18 in a row on Monday night. Um, they upped their record to three and four to try to get back to relevance. The Dolphins dropped to zero and seven as they make their way towards their first round pick, oh uh, first overall pick. Uh, let's see, the Steelers finished the game one hundred and fifty eight yards rushing. They only needed two hundred thirty six passing, and they won the time of possession battle by eleven minutes. Mason Rudolph was twenty for thirty six. 251 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, and two sacks. James Conner had 145 yards rushing and a touchdown. And Juju was on that beat with 103 yards receiving and a touchdown. And, um, Buck, we'll start off with you all. What do you think you all did well on Monday night? Well, first of all, really, really slow. Um, so slow, in fact, they actually were bonus. Um, you know, because we, we threw an interception on the pass, and then, you know, we started out, we just three and outs, you know, just started off slow. But after, after the turnover, after Mika Fitzpatrick, after Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, things started straight out. So we went ahead and, you know, did what we did. The defense really stepped up big, you know, three turnovers, um, two interceptions. Um, sacks. Um, you know, we just did what we needed to do. Um, we passed the ball downfield more. Um, after he settled down a little bit, Rudolph, what he needed to do, get the ball downfield, got to receive the ball. But Miami kind of made it. You know, if it wasn't for the interception, I just, you know, sometimes you don't got to blitz, you got to blitz. And when uh, Johnson scored that, that big touchdown late in the second, when they rushed eight. You know, this man, man from man, um, you know, man coverage downfield, Johnson wide open. So, good blocking downfield by wide receivers. So, 
you know, everything is starting to, you know, even injuries. We're not taking. We're not going away to season. You know, we're we're starting two in a row. Coming off a bye Monday night, and we do what we need to do to try to win games. Um, if we can kind of stack some wins in the defense, you know, keep you know keep doing what they need to. Do. We might be we we ain't out of this thing by no stretch of the imagination. So glad to see that we stepped up. We handled the adversity. You know, all three phases did well again in the game. So this is the time you want to start getting hot now. So we're doing good despite the injuries. All right. Well, all it takes is winning the division to get into the playoffs. So that's that's that should be the only focus at the moment. As for the Dolphins, Ryan Fitzmagic, 21 of 34, 190 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, sacked four times and lost a fumble. Mark Walton had 35 yards rushing, and Devontae Parker had 59 yards receiving on six catches. And uh, Buck, the Dolphins started off strong, but they kind of faded this time. Normally they start off slowly. And come on strong. This time they did the opposite. They kept scoreless after the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's really stuff to be. We did what we needed to do. You know, our, you know, hits on the quarterback. And just you know, covers down. I mean, we got a lot of people back. We had like nine people who were injured at the beginning of the week last week. When we got all of them back, and they all played. So. You know, that's what was really but I think the biggest thing more than anything else was getting back a fullback in the run game. That's the reason why Connor ran so well. Because with Nick's on the field, not only in special teams, but as a fullback, he did extremely well. And he got opened up those holes for um James Connor. So, you know, Dolphins I, I must say that I knew they were gonna come out strong. I knew they were gonna come out fast. And try to make and try to make an impact, but you know, before the game, I was thinking they were tanking. They really weren't tanking. It just they just they they've been in just about every game this season. It's just that they're missing pieces. And you know, maybe they maybe they might win some down the stretch, but you, you, I don't think they're just throwing away the season. They're not they're not trying to tank. At least that's the impression that I got after this game. So, I don't think the players are trying to tank. I think management is trying to tank. I think the players are playing hard. I think the coaches are coaching well. But the way management keeps taking away from the talent just makes me feel like they're trying to tank things. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. But they they come up short again. But at some point, they're going to find somebody they can beat, I think. I don't think they'll go winless this season. So, all right. New England, 27, Cleveland, 13. 65,000 at Gillette Stadium saw Bill Belichick get win number 300 over the team in which he got win number one. Um, Patriots go to 8-0. The Browns drop to 2-5. And, and the Patriots were led by Tom Invalid Brady. option. Tom Brady, 20 for 36, 259 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times. Sonny Michelle had 74 yards rushing on 21 carries. And James White led all receivers with four catches for 75 yards. On the other side, Baker Mayfield, 28 
20 for 31, 194 yards, a touchdown and interception, sacked five times. Nick Chubb had 131 yards rushing, but he kept fumbling as he fumbled twice. And Jarvis Landry had 65 yards receiving on five catches. Buck, I want to talk about Cleveland. They're two and five. They had high expectations. Baker Mayfield had a meltdown with the media today. Is this team falling apart, or do you think that they can rally and finish with a decent record? Their record is good as it's going to get. Um, they might win two more games, and that's it. Um, and really, let's look at this for a second. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with what Mayfield said. But, I mean, I don't think it was really a meltdown. I, I mean, Mayfield is one of those guys that's just really in your face and he's honest. And I like that about him. And, I mean, sometimes, you know, these media guys just really get on your damn nerves and they ask you stupid questions. So I understand exactly why he's pissed off. I mean, he didn't, to me, that wasn't a meltdown. When, I mean, same thing with, um, you know, Joe Flacco and what he had to say this week. And a lot of people say he threw, threw the team under the bus. Sometimes you just got to tell it like it is. But the Browns, I mean, now the injuries are starting to get them. I think Jarvis Landry went down with an injury in that game, and I don't think he was able to finish the game. So with Jarvis Landry down, and, and I kept trying to tell everybody Odell Beckham wasn't going to show up nowhere because he wasn't showing up over there in the Giants, and they wanted to blame it on Eli. It wasn't Eli. You know, he doesn't show up for big games. He never has. So – you know, he's just in a place. I mean, sometimes you got to have the right leader. And Freddie Kitchens, he's a great offensive coordinator, but he sucks as a head coach. Sometimes you got to stay in your lane as we speak. And Freddie Kitchens should have stayed. You know, they should have given the job to Greg Williams. But you know Greg Williams not going to get the job because of everything that happened down there in New Orleans. And being suspended. You know, they still, you know, trying to spend that on him. You know, this bounty gate and all that kind of stuff. So that's the reason why Greg Williams didn't get the job. But they gave it to the wrong guy. I mean, he may be, he, you know, players may like him and everything like that. But it's not working. And, it, you know, Freddie Kitchen is probably going to be fired before the end of this season. And that's probably what it's going to take to get these guys fired up. Because right now, I don't think – I think the guys are playing, playing decent. I mean – you know, the defense is definitely playing well. He's getting sacked. You know, he looks like a monster. Number 95, you know, he's playing his ass off. But, you know, when your defense is on the field the whole game, you know, it's, you know you're going to get tired. And when the offense is not scoring points, you know, and you're always having to come from behind, I mean, you get, pretty much have to throw your game plan out the window. So, but I think Freddie Kitchens is the problem, not the players. Okay. And um, I don't even think he was a coordinator. I think he was like a quarterback coach or something before he got this job, I think. I can't remember. So. Yeah, he needs that. He needs to be a quarterback coach again. And not, he doesn't, he damn sure don't know he's doing this far. Sometimes, I'll say this. Sometimes when you're a head coach, you need to have great assistant coaches around you to kind of bring, since you've never, never been a head coach before. You need other supporting, you know, a greater supporting cast than what your ability actually is. And if he was a quarterback coach, 
And then I think, didn't they make him interim coach last year when they fired the coach last year? No, nah, it was like that. It was Green. So, um, you know, sometimes when you're weak and this is your first your first go around, you got to get the right coaches around you. So it's not just Freddie Kitchens. It's some of the other people and, you know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, conditioning coach, you know, linebacker, line coach, you know, linebacker coach, yada, 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 going down the line. Somebody can step up, even the assistant coach. Somebody can help him out and help him get a better game plan for these guys so they can start winning. He's just too much talent on that team for him not to be able to step up. And, and you know, something's got to happen. All right. That general manager going to make a move here before too long. Let him lose two more games and Steve Kitchen still be the coach. It's coming. Because he looked like a deer in the head like most of the time they were on the sideline. Yeah. All right, as for the Patriots, um, Tom Brady was 20 of 36, 259, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times. They actually got on him pretty good. Um, the Patriots' offense has not been great, Buck. I mean, their defense is all world. But at some point, that offense is going to have to kick in the gear. I agree. I mean, it's, it's going to be sooner rather than later because the meat of the schedule is starting to come up. And they're going to be playing teams that put points on the board. So they're going to have to they're going to get with it. Now, yeah, their defense is still doing real well. And, you know, they're running away with it defensively. But on the offensive side of the ball, you know, they've been really kind of retooling the wide receivers, bringing this guy in, putting this guy on injury reserve, and then, you know, eventually getting rid of Gordon, um, getting rid of A.B., which they had to anyway. Um you know, they've had a lot of, you know, influx of tight end. They've had a lot of tight end issues since Gronk's been gone. So there's a lot of moving parts on their offense. And, I mean, they got some Michelle. They got a good run. They got two or three good running backs. But it's just their offense is still searching for identity. But they better hurry up and find one because they fool around and go up against one of these high-scoring high teams like Green Bay or, or you know, once once uh Mahomes gets back, you know, any of them you know, any of them seem to a lot of points. Saints, I don't know if they play the Saints before the end of the season. But if you go up one of these high scoring games, I don't care how good the defense is, they, if the other team can put up they don't have a hard time trying to catch up. We'll see what's going on. Unless with them. the defense bails them out. All right, we'll move on. Los Angeles Rams twenty four, Cincinnati Bengals ten. 83,000 people at Wembley Stadium um, saw this game. This is over in London. As the Rams up their record to 5-3, and three, the Bengals fall to 0-8. And, and Jared Goff was 17 of 31, 372 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's a lot of yards out of 17 receptions. But mainly because of Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup had seven catches. For 220 yards and a touchdown. Um, Daryl Henderson had 49 yards rushing. Ty Gurley had 44 yards and a touchdown. And so the the Rams offense looked a little better, but, but they still can't run the game. Run your opinion, are the Rams a run team that passes well, or are they a passing team that runs well? 
that passing team that runs well because right now, I mean, the jury's still out on the, you know, it's almost like they're holding Gurley back. If that makes any sense and kind of setting them for the playoffs. Now, I've never been a fan of anybody, be, you know, being saved during the season. Uh, we normally don't see that, but every once in a while you hear it where they're trying to save a guy and just trying to keep him until, you know, and, and turn loose in the in the playoffs. Well, the only bad part about that is everybody else turns it up in the playoffs. So it doesn't matter how much you, you know, light wear and tear. You need that wear and tear on your body, um, you know, that to get, get the wear and tear in the first three quarters. Hit him in the fourth. You know, body's got to get used to getting hit. And it's you know saving him now, halfway through the season, a little early for that saving to be going on. So I don't know. You know, maybe they have a plan. I don't know what the plan is, but um, they better. They gonna have to score points. Um, and, and really and true, they gonna have to catch them first two teams in that division. Because you got a hot Seattle team and you got an even hotter 49ers team. And don't sleep on the Cardinals either. It seems like all of a sudden they're starting to get, they're starting to get their feet under them too. So you don't want to, you know, be lax in thinking it's an easy game to win against the Cardinals. So that whole division is Trump tight. So, you know, like I said, this is a division that might, you might get three teams out of. So you really, they really, you know, gonna have to really, Step it up and keep the foot on the gas because the games ain't getting any easier. Not at all. But moving on, the San Francisco 49ers 51, the Carolina Panthers 13. 69,000 people at Levi's Stadium witnessed this beatdown as the 49ers went to 7-0 and while the Panthers dropped to 4-3. and the 49ers went up 27-3 at halftime, and they never looked back as they just stomped a mud hole in the Panthers. Tevin Coleman just went off on the ground, in the air, underwater, everything. Um, they had twice as many first downs as Carolina, um, almost twice as many rushing yards, and passing, well, passing wasn't really hitting on anything. But Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to do much. He was 18 of 22, 175 yards, two touchdowns and interception. He was sacked three times. Tevin Coleman had 105 yards rushing with three touchdowns. He had another touchdown receiving. And um, George Kittle had 86 yards receiving on six catches. And, Buck, everyone has been talking about the 49ers defense. And we saw the defense shut down Carolina. Um, but, man, their offense finally stepped up. If their offense can play like this consistently, then, man, they're going to be hard to beat. Yeah, they're going to be real hard to beat because I'd actually, you know, I really thought that the 49ers were going to come in here and, you know, get blown out simply because Carolina's been playing so strong. But the 49ers defense, it's just on point. And now, the, you know, the offense is starting to jail a little bit, and they're starting to get the feet under them. they got a good running game. Kittle is, is playing lights out. Now they got Emmanuel Sanders. They just basically used Emmanuel Sanders on that first drive all the way down the field. And I'm here to tell you, now with the pieces that the 49ers have on offense and their defense, the way it's playing with, with Bosa, and, man, the sky's the limit for these guys, man. They're, right now, 
you know, they're running they're running the in the NFC West right now. And uh, it's going to be hard to beat the 49ers. I don't care if you're Seattle. I don't care if you're the Rams. I don't care if you're the Saints. I don't care if you're even the Green Bay Packers. You're going to have to deal with these guys at some point in the season. And um, the 49ers right now are putting, putting some pretty good stuff on tape, and they're going to be really hard to beat down the stretch. Most definitely. They're going to be very difficult. Uh, as far as Carolina's concerned, Kyle Allen had his worst game. Um, 19 of 37, 158 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions, sacked seven times. Christian McCaffrey still did his thing with 117 yards rushing and a touchdown along with 38 yards receiving. But talk about Kyle Allen. Um, he's come back to earth now after taking a beating from the 49ers. Should Carolina go ahead and go back to Cam Newton if Cam Newton is healthy? But Simple Allen's job at this point. Um, Cam Newton is a is a shadow of his former self. Um, I know he's a former MVP of this league, but Cam, I think his I mean I think his days are numbered. Um, he's just not playing well. He doesn't have the confidence that he used to have. Um, his body language um, is just not right. Um, you can blame it on changing his mechanics, his throwing mechanics. You can blame it on the injuries, whatever you want to blame it on. But the bottom line of it is that this guy, I mean, Allen, is a you know he's he fits their system better. Um, you know, it seems like the team is better is better suited with Allen at the helm versus Cam Newton because Cam hadn't shown me anything in two or three years now. Um, yes, he's injured and all that. And, I mean, I like his, you know, physicality, um, the way he plays the game and things of that nature. I could care less about how this fool dresses because he dresses like a damn bitch. I don't know, or something from, from the 16th century. You don't know what the hell this clown's doing half the time. But um, as far as him on the football field, I mean, he's, he, he used to play great. But there's something wrong with Cam. And, I don't think he should come back until he's 100%. And just because you're throwing the football on the sideline doesn't mean he's 100%. Because the minute he gets hit, it's almost like he's got a glass draw. So, at this point, I'd rather just see him stay on the sidelines and stay on the sidelines the rest of the season. Because right now, it's out on his teams. Okay. All right, moving on. Philadelphia 31, Buffalo 13. 69,000 at New Era Field. Saw the Eagles up their record to 4-4. Four and four. Buffalo dropped to 5-2. and two. It was a close game for a little while. Um, at one point, 17-13 in the, in the third quarter. Then the Eagles got a touchdown from Boston Scott and took off from there and ended up finishing 31-13. Uh, the Eagles had 218 yards rushing, so they dominated on the ground. And Carson Wentz did not have to do much. 17 of 24, 172 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He was sacked three times. Jordan Howard had 96 yards rushing and a touchdown. And Alshon Jeffrey had four catches for 64 yards. And But the Eagles, you know, they won't go away. They're going to still remain in this playoff hunt because that's what they do. But um, this team right now really doesn't have an identity. They gave Carson Wentz all the money. 
But in order for them to win, it seems like they have to not focus on him. It's almost like they got to get the running game in order to win and not Carson Wentz, despite his paycheck. Well, I mean, Carson Wentz is the leader of this team, but the rest of this team needs to step up. There has to be some consistency. Um, you know, right now, I mean, you you haven't, you know, one week you're going in there and you're getting your tail blown out by the Cowboys, and then the following week you go in to Buffalo and, and you go in there and try to get, you know, you go in there and get a victory. Um, you know, this is not something that you're going to be able to continue to do and get away with. Um, that's too many, the NFC has really, really got a lot of good teams in it this year. And, you know, despite the Eagles' injuries, I think they could have played a whole lot better than what they played, and they haven't. Um, you can, you know, in years past, you can expect to go up to Buffalo and whoop their behind. And, yeah, they have a better team, and they got a, you know, Buffalo has a good defense, but in my opinion, this is a team that the Eagles should go in and beat anyway. So, with that being said, that really didn't show me anything. I mean, Carson Wentz only got had 172 passing yards. That's not enough. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the defense making some, making you know playing the game the way they played, the Eagles could have lost this game. So I just need to see more consistency from the Eagles. Um, they can't just continue to just sit here and you know show up when they want to and, and not show up the other times. They just have to play better, and they go in order to make a playoff run. Right now, I don't think they will make the playoffs the way they're playing. Okay. Yeah, they got to figure it out, but it was still a big win for them, so they're able to stay relevant. Uh, as for Buffalo, Josh Allen, 16 of 34, 169 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and four sacks. He did have a fumble. He lost – well, he fumbled three times, but he lost one. He led the team with 45 yards rushing. John Brown had five catches, 54 yards receiving. And, I, Buck, I'm noticing a trend this week. A lot of quarterbacks are underperforming. A lot of people are starting to focus on the running game. Um, you know how they say, you know, it's kind of a copycat lead. And a lot, a lot of teams are starting to run the ball a lot more. And, you know, maybe we're going to get to see um, the running back be relevant again at some point. Oh yeah, I think I think the running backs are relevant. I mean, you got I think I, I think you've seen that pretty much throughout this season. I mean, most of these super human, you know, these super passing games, you just haven't seen a whole lot of that this year. You see the, the emphasis on the run game again. Um, you know, this is ebb and flow. I mean, you see this. You know, you see, you know, the last few years we've seen a lot of passing, but you know, the defenses have now caught up. You know, the only thing we have to change is the way they're calling these offense and defensive pass interference. Maybe they should let these guys just go ahead and play. But besides all of that, um, you're starting to see an emphasis. I think since you do have so many crazy calls on pass interference, I think that's the reason why you're seeing the tight end get open a little bit more. You're seeing the, the running backs on certain teams have these athletic running backs catching the ball out the backfield. Um, you're starting to see these guys run run more and more. You're starting to see more full fullbacks or more um, offensive linemen coming in as tight ends playing fullbacks and things of that nature. So I think you're starting to see a little bit of a change and, you know, going back to the, you know, smash mouth type football across the league. 
And the teams that are doing it well are the ones that are starting to win. Yeah, I'm starting to think we're reverting back to the 90s a little bit. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. And who just joined? Oh, this is me. What's up, Q? Hey, what's happening, Ray? What's up, Ray? What's up, Ray? Hey, what's up, Q? I mean, what's up, bro? What's up? Uh, got Ray up there in New Jersey holding it down. And um, so, Ray, you guessed in time. We're moving on to the um, Houston 27, Oakland 24. 71,893 people at NRG Stadium saw the Texans go up to 5-3. and three. The Raiders fall short, and they drop under 500 um, to 3-4. and four. This game was a very entertaining game, and um, Deshaun Watson was able to get a pass off to Darren Fields from nine yards out with six minutes left in the fourth quarter despite getting kicked in the eye in the process. It was kind of crazy the way the play happened. But um, the Texans – dominated the ball as far as control. Uh, they had 29 first downs to the o- to Oakland's 15, 130 rushing yards to Oakland's 93. Um, things were a little even in the passing yards, but um, they were still able to do enough to win. And, Ray, what do you think the difference was in this game? Because you all hung in there despite the stats. Um, I know penalties hurt you all, 11 penalties before 100 yards. For 100 yards, but with no turnovers, how how do you think you all let this game get away? Um, it, it was a tough game. I mean, Houston is uh is, is a pretty good team. I thought we was gonna take the game, but you know, Deshaun Watson made some big plays, and uh, first they couldn't run the ball at all. Then they started getting some success with the running game. Everybody except Deshaun Watson. You know, they couldn't run the ball. Then Carlos Hyde got, you know, hot maybe in the third, early fourth or something like that where he started gaining some yards. But, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's tough, man. We've been on the road, you know, still for over a month. So we know it was going to be a difficult game, but it was a game that was very winnable because, you know, I felt like we was going to win the game throughout the game. But, you know, they made a good play at the end and or in the fourth quarter that we just couldn't recover from. I think we ended up hunting the ball instead of trying to go for it on fourth down. I think we never got the ball back. Um, You know, we had so many injuries that it's just hard to overcome. You know, Rodney Hudson got hurt our center. But our rookie, he came in and he played well. But, you know, just if it's not him, it's it's Trent Brown. If it's not Trent Brown, then it's, you know, you know, Dave Jackson just got back. So it's just been issues on the offensive line. Josh Jacobs couldn't really get the rock like he wanted because he got has a shoulder injury. So he was, you know, sharing a load. But, you know, he's still did this thing. I believe he got five yards of carry or close to five yards, but, you know, when when you take all our weapons away, it's kind of hard to, to really maintain. I think if we had a healthy team, and I really hate the fact that 
Antonio Brown has to ask the way he did. If he didn't, I think we would probably be five and two or six and one or something like that. But you know, it's hard. Tyrell Williams just came back as our wide receiver, starting wide receiver. Everybody else has either been a journeyman or a rookie or a practice squad guy or something like that to keep everything going. Our tight end, though, is very, very good. You know, Darren Waller, he's good as anybody catching the ball, so that's a plus. But as far as the game goes, you know, I I could take a loss like this because we played hard and it was there for the taking. The losses I can't take when, you know, giving up the ball in the end zone, throwing an interception in the zone, stuff like that, that's more difficult. But Houston, they, they're a good team. We did take J.J. Watt out. I mean, I ain't proud of that. This is one of my favorite defensive players. But we fought, we gave what we had. We play them again, we probably would beat them at our home stadium. All right. Well, um, man, y'all are a lot better than than what I, I thought you would be at the beginning of the year. And this is one of those games, kind of like how I look at um, the game the Cowboys played against the Saints. It's one of those games where it's like, all right, here's an opportunity for you to get a W on the road or whatever, and you come up short. And it's one of those things you'll, you think about for the rest of the season, you know. Um Derek Carr was 18 of 30, 285 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Josh Jacobs had 66 yards rushing. And Tyrell Williams had 91 yards receiving and a touchdown. Uh, but Deshaun Watson just came up big when it when it mattered. 27 of 39, 279, three touchdowns, sacked three times. Um, Carlos Hyde had 83 yards rushing. And DeAndre Hopkins had 11 catches for 109 yards. Um, he still hasn't been able to find the end zone lately, but he did make some big plays. So, um, and their tight end is just really playing well, too. Darren Fields, six catches, 58 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so, both of you all have some up-and-coming tight ends. So, uh, but, yeah, the Raiders came up short on this one. It was a close game. Uh, but Deshaun was able to, to do his thing and, and pull it out. And so, uh, you know, move on to the next game. All right. So we'll look at one more game. We'll check out the Sunday night game. Green Bay Packers 31, Kansas City Chiefs 24. 73,000 at Arrowhead Stadium saw the Packers up their record to 7-1. Chiefs drops to to 5-3. This was a very entertaining game. And... uh, the statistics were fairly equal across the board. Kansas City did have a turnover, and the Packers did not. But um, Aaron Rodgers, 23 of 33, 305, three touchdowns. He was sacked five times. Aaron Jones had 67 yards rushing, but he had 159 yards receiving and two touchdowns off of seven catches. And, Buck, talk about Aaron Jones, man, because right now, he seems to be what Green Bay has been lacking since doggone Dorsey Levin seemed like. Yeah, you're, Dorsey Levin was just the wreck, sir. I mean, I mean, Green Bay hasn't had a running game in some time. I mean, not since oh, back in the Red Park. Oh, nice. Well, for 
Yeah, he was nice. He was, he was, yeah, until he decided to start eating too many KFC, too much KFC and too many McDonald's hamburgers. Yeah, he ate himself out to eat. So, um, you know, it's just one of those deals where, I mean, he, he just a nice compliment. They actually got two good running backs. Um, so the running game has really helped Aaron Rodgers kind of set up the play action pass. And, you know, and Green Bay has been injured so many times over the course of the last few years. It seems like, you know, if any team is, you know, just they just don't even think about injuries, it's definitely going to be Green Bay. They figure out some kind of way to manage to put it together unless Aaron Rodgers is out. Um, if Aaron Rodgers is not out, it doesn't matter who they got at wide receiver. It doesn't matter who they got at running back. They get the job done. Um, and now they have a good – they have a complementary defense that can really expose you. If you make any mistakes against their, against Green Bay, they put points on the board, you know, and they, they're a team that definitely goes for the juggler every time. They're not going to sit there and hold the lead and be comfortable. And they're also a team that can go toe-to-toe with you. And, you know, Kansas City did an outstanding job going toe-to-toe with these guys, even without Mahomes. I think it really would have been exciting if Mahomes was, well, was in the game. But, Really, this was a game where whoever had the ball last was going to win the football game, and that's the way it kind of played out. But you can't make mistakes against Green Bay because you make mistakes. Aaron Rodgers will capitalize. He'll throw some kind of cra- that crazy pass he threw to, the, to to that running back in the end of the end zone. Him start, you know, it was kind of similar to what he didn't get kicked in the face. He wasn't touched, but um, it was kind of similar to what Watson did in Houston, you know. Just, just a face away, putting it where, right where the running back catch it. It was just an amazing play. And when you have to make plays like that, that's a dagger. You know that just takes the wind out of yourself. And when you playing the book, man, you playing Aaron Rodgers. He always gonna put put that ball there. You know where it's gonna snatch your soul out. So Green Bay is a team that you have to put away. If you if you within, I would say twenty one points of the Green Bay Packers. That's not enough points. You need to you need to kind of put twenty eight to thirty five points on the board to kind of put them away. You know, because if you don't put that many points on the board, it will be a shootout, and it's probably a shootout that Aaron Rodgers will rip your heart out with. Yeah, I mean Aaron Rodgers still capable of doing big things. Um, and uh, I, I know that having Aaron Jones will make stuff a lot easier on him uh, because he doesn't need to drop back 50 times and try to win every game. Uh, I mean, and then his, his receiving core will get, better, option. will get better when Devontae Adams comes back. He may be back Sunday, so that will help. But his receiving core is not necessarily um, the greatest, but he gets a lot out of these guys. You know, he gets a lot out of them, so. As for Kansas City, Matt Moore was 24 of 36, 267 yards, two touchdowns, sacked twice. LaShawn McCoy had 40 yards rushing, and Tyreek Hill had 76 yards receiving. Ray, Matt Moore played well. Um, Do you think that they should give him another week and give um, uh, Mahomes time to, to fully recover? And also, what is going on with Kansas City's running game? Because... Um, ever since Kareem Hunt has left, they haven't really been able to run the ball consistently. 
Yeah, I think if Kareem Hunt was still there, they, they would have a Super Bowl right now. But um, if it were me, I wouldn't bring Mahomes back against the Vikings because Vikings got a hell of a defense. And, you know, you just can't take a chance with the most valuable player in the league. And, you know, because he goes out there and takes all they can win. If it was a team where they can't get much pressure on the quarterback, then if you want to go out there and hobble a little bit, that might be all right. But, man, they got some fools across that line in Minnesota, so any, anything can happen. So I wouldn't do it because you still got about a 65 chance, 65% chance of winning the game in my own place. If he doesn't play, he may have a 40% chance of winning the game. That 25% is really not enough for me to finish it. I would just believe that. And that, you know, even if they lose the games, they can still win the division. Somebody else had more than three wins in the division. Hell, I still think we both, you know, in second place. I'm not sure, but I believe you. But uh, I don't think it hurt at all. You know, they could, even with, with, with the AFC, the way it is, you know, you could still get a bye week with all the other teams losing and everything. So, no, nah, I wouldn't play. I wouldn't wear it. Tennessee's running game is suffering. Uh, McCoy, you know, he's old now. They, all, they were talking about possibly going after Le'Veon Bell, but I guess I am not doing it. You know, that's, that's a bad move. If it were me, I would care to see. I would get Kareem Hunter to come back next week. I would have traded for him right back on the team. Because nobody cares about that shit anyway. It's just a PR move. Okay. All right. Kansas City got to figure it out because they're slowly slipping um, into the abyss and they may find themselves on the road in the playoffs. At the rate things are going right now, I mean, they have the division lead, so they will get a, a home game if they win the division. But, um, you know, they're not separating themselves from the pack right now, so they got to try to figure it out. So, all right. Um, other action. Let's see. Vikings beat the, the Redskins 19-9. Cousins look good again, 285 yards passing, but Dalvin Cook had – 98 yards rushing, and so I think that's been the difference with them. Um, Seattle 27, Atlanta 20. Matt Shaw, 460 yards passing. Uh, Yeah, normally when someone has that many passing yards, they're probably going to lose. But uh, what do you all think, uh, to both of you, do you fire the coach or or not for the Falcons? You just – you ride with them at the end of the season. I've never been a fan of firing a coach at the you know halfway through the season because you know sometimes you got to deal with the hand with and it's too much of a shock to the players. I mean, some some players like the coach. It's just that sometimes you just hit a bus off. Maybe you have injuries. Maybe you have you know outside distractions or whatever. And the coach is kind of keeping things. You know, trying to do his best to keep things together. Whatever the whatever the deal is. I'm just not a fan of, of firing a coach, you know, five games in, six games in. 
that every year you have at least one, possibly two coaches that are really on the hot seat and you really want to get them out of here. But in this case, I wouldn't fire him, um, but I would kind of evaluate the rest of the season and see how the players play up for these games because, um, I mean, I just think sometimes you can make too many too many changes. And with Matt Ryan in that offense, they've changed the offensive coordinator way too often. Um, they did rehire the Tampa Bay uh, uh, former Tampa Bay coach because he was the offensive coordinator before Coach whatever damn name it is, he was the offensive coordinator before he went to Tampa. Now he's back over there, but um, his offense didn't work in Tampa, and it's not working this year either. So uh, you know, if they do decide to keep the coach, which Arthur Blank said he's still you know committed to him, but he'll be evaluating. But you can't change offensive coordinators every year and expect to be successful. It's just not going to happen. What do you think, Ray? You think they should get rid of um, the Falcons coach? I can't even think of his name right now. Um, no, I don't, I don't think they should get rid of him because once you get rid of him, I think the season is basically over. But you want your team to be feel like it's over. And if you get a coach, who are you going to bring in to come in mid-season? You know, you get interim coach, everybody knows really not going to be coached for long. And you just bring two turmoil. But if you finish up the season, because you still got a shot to go 9-7, although it's a long shot. I mean, it's a long shot. You know, you still have that opportunity. And I don't see no positives with the Falcons. I mean, I would just let them finish out the season. You can always plan what you want to do, who you want to bring in after the fact once the season is over. Bring in a coach, turn it, you got to feed the coach and stuff, anything you might want to keep on, and get every opportunity to see. And if he doesn't, then at the end of the season, you know what it is, you know what it is. So, there's a part of what he can do for me. All right. And let's see. The Titans beat Tampa Bay 27-23. to Jameis Winston had 301 yards uh, passing. Uh, Mike Evans had 198 yards receiving, but it wasn't enough. Is it time to end the Jameis Winston experiment, or do you think that he'll be better somewhere else? <laughs> I think he's too, too trigger happy. I mean, this guy, he, if I threw them interceptions, I would be a little tentative. I mean, he's not tentative like he post Super Bowl and his bet because he believes it will be done. That guy will throw the ball in the other team in the locker room. You like, man, come on. You ain't got to throw the ball like that. I mean, he throw it right for him. And when you throw in that interceptions, to me, you need to either watch more film, settle down, or, you know, when the guys in the NBA, I mean, NFL, you had the money and the resources. Call Peyton Manning up for somebody and let him talk. A guy like that, he won't talk to the dog all day long, as long as he's protective. 
And me becoming year after year after year, swinging like that over to the other team. I mean, the boy has talent. He has an arm. When he get hot, he's hot. But go for 480 yards or something like that and four touchdowns and four interceptions, man, that just ain't no good. And that's the type of shit James Winston will do. Now, I don't know what it is. Kid may age in school and has a strong arm, has a good brain, and, and you know, has marginal athletic ability. He should be a, a top-notch quarterback in the league. But I, I think he just needs, I don't know, more coaching, more discipline, uh, hook up with some other great co- quarterbacks like like uh, Kurt Warner or something. They'd be more than happy to help. But Wait a minute, hold up, right stop now. Right, stop, stop for me, right? You said he made A's in school. I don't know about all that now. I think yeah. took that to be yeah, too far. Yeah, yes, he did. Okay, yes, he did. all right. You looked that up. Jamie Winston is a smart kid, man. Okay, if he I was mean, smart, he wouldn't. Have, let me, let me, let me, let me break this down to you. Sometimes <laughs> smart kids. <laughs> they they have they don't have common sense. Okay, he stole crabs. He stole the moped. Um, you know, supposedly he messed with some Uber driver. So it, I mean, something you know in these rah-rah speeches. Well, I ain't seen none of them. Like, thank goodness. But um, the thing the thing about James Winston is, like you said, I believe he needs to um study his craft a little bit more. You know. He needs to, you know, like you said, get maybe Manning, or maybe we can have one of the best quarterback coaches of all time with Steve DeBerg. Um, you know, get Steve DeBerg, get, you know, some one of these quarterbacks, one of these quarterback guru coaches, or something like that. Now, supposedly, you know, you got Bruce Arians, who's he's, you know, trying to get him right. But if Jameis Winston is going to be signed there, which I seriously doubt he will be. Um, if he is signed there, you, Bruce Aaron's going to need to get some more people and some more parts around him first. But he's going to have to definitely study more film because the film aspect of things is all he get, all he has right now. I don't know if he can really get somebody that's off the street, this former quarterback that can come in there and show him something right now unless it's somebody that was associated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, at some point in time that played, you know, um, first quarterback that kind of comes to mind is that uh, Jeff Garcia. If Jeff Garcia could show him a thing or two, I mean, you got you got Bruce Aarons and you got uh, Brian Leffridge down there. Leffridge is the offensive coordinator. So, I mean, you'd think with those two, that'd be enough. But maybe you need to call somebody else in there that's not not associated with those guys. And the first guy that comes to mind is Jeff Garcia because he went all over the league. So, Leffridge, Leffridge was James Winston before James Winston. Just a big old gunsling. Throwing yep. the ball all over the field, but throwing them to the wrong guys. Yep. All right. He needs, some, he needs some extra film or film study. We'll see what happens. I mean, James' big problem, of course, is, is, you know, is the turnovers. If he can protect the ball, I think he can be a solid quarterback. But, man, he turns over the ball like a machine. So that's something he has to figure out. All right. The Saints 31, Cardinals 9. Drew Brees, 373 yards in his return. Just another day in the office. They shut down. Um, Kyler Murray and crew held them to 9 points. 
Jacksonville 29, the Jets 15. Garner Minshew did his thing, and they ran over the Jets. Uh, Detroit 31, the Giants 26. Matt Stafford, 342 yards passing. Kevin Galladay, 123 yards receiving. And Indianapolis, 15-13 over the Denver Broncos. Uh, they were able to get do just enough to get past Denver, who is still kind of struggling. The Los Angeles Chargers, 17. Chicago Bears, 16. Man, I don't know what to say about the Bears when it comes to kicking. But what do you think, and Ray, I'll start with you, about the decision to take a knee and let the um, kicker come out and do the field goal instead of trying to get the ball a little bit closer for him. Man, that that was a horrible decision. I mean, he I seen the the uh, the, the, the press conference after the game, and he talking about well, if he had to do it all over again, he would do it. Yeah, that's your contract is guaranteed. Anybody in their right mind knows that if you knelt on the ball and you kick the ball and, you know, the kicker just missed the damn kick, that you could have got closer. He's different. If you got a rookie running back that has three fumbles already, but he's very good running back, and you got, you know, uh, Adam Vinatieri or somebody in their prime, and you do some shit like that, you could excuse that. But this Pinero or whatever Pinero or whatever his name is, man, I, I saw him when he was walking out on the field. I was like, man, this shit, you finna go left because he's shaky. And I was like, nah. He he knelt on it, knelt on it. Instead of trying to get yards, if I'm correct, David Montgomery had a hell of a day running the rock. So he should have kept running the ball. Maybe he bust out for 10, 15 yards. Maybe he just run through the middle, give him three, four yards, three, four yards, six yards close and make a whole lot of difference. So I think that's what they should have did. But I don't know. He just made a, a terrible, terrible, terrible decision. And they shouldn't let him off the hook for that. Not this year. Buck, what do you think? I mean, another five what? yards, that field goal might have been good. And, man, not to get that a little bit closer. I mean, I don't know how many timeouts they had. All I know, they should have gotten the ball closer for the kicker because, I mean, the Bears, do we, we they have all kinds of kicking issues. So you can't leave it to chance. I mean, you got to give – sometimes you just have to give your team some confidence and you have to believe in your team. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, in today's league, you got referees that don't make the right calls. And you got kickers that, I mean, that usually make, make kicks not make. So at some point, you have to believe in the team. You know, and this goes all the way back to, you know, training camp days. I mean, you got to build these guys' confidence. We're just about, we're at the halfway point of the season. At this point, all the gremlins, you should have them worked out at this point is about as best as you're going to get them. You got what you got, and especially if you got a, a whole shit ton of injuries. So at this point, in order to make that team better, you got to you, – sometimes you have to go for it. I mean, within reason. If you're trying to win the football game, get five more yards if you got a timeout or, you know, run a slant. 
slant out pattern and step out of bounds. So that way you're not rushing your kicking team out there on the field. Take a damn chance. You know your kicking game's shaking. And I just think if they would have gotten a few extra yards, hell, who knows? You might score a damn touchdown. But at least you're going to kick a field goal, get five more yards, get it closer because you know your damn kick ain't worth a damn. Yeah, they got to work on that. They have lost too many. I mean, that that's that city man has has dealt with too many bad bad kickers over the last year or so. And um, man, it's like they they continue to be haunted by it, and they're never going to have confidence in their kicker when it counts. And it makes you wonder if the kicker going to have confidence in himself. So well, you're in the division. You're in the you're in the NFC North, and Everybody in that division is clawing. I mean, you got one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in that entire in that in the entire conference. Well, in that in that division, and right now your your defense is out there on the football field too long. So even the be, even the greatest suffer. And then in Chicago winning all the games, but they're missing the games by a few points because of bad kicking. At some point, like I said, if the kicker that damn bad, then you got to be confident. In Mitch Trubisky, and right now he's coming off an injury. So at some point, when are you going to put it in the team's hands and see if they can win it? Because I'd rather do it like that than to depend on that damn kicker they've been missing. Yeah. Yeah, they got to figure it out, but I, I definitely think the coach deserves some blame, most of the blame on this one. I mean, yeah, a 41 yard field goal is a makeable field goal. But you still got to get the guy closer if, if possible. I mean, um, a kicker from 40 yards in, you expect to make. But once you go above 40, man, anything can happen. All right. Let's look at the upcoming games for week nine. And let's see. I'll start with you, Ray. San Francisco at Arizona tomorrow night. Oh, I'm going to have to take San Fran on this one. Um, for obvious reasons, but Arizona bad offensive line, San Francisco undefeated. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, although he doesn't play all that great, he has a hell of a record. And with that defensive line on San Francisco, I expect him to get after Kyler Murray and you know shut him down. So San Francisco big. All right, and San Francisco seven and zero. Arizona's three, four, and one. But you got the five and three Houston Texans against the four and four Jacksonville Jaguars. The winner gets this game ain't gonna be this is probably the toughest game to pick this whole this whole, you know, week eight here. This is gonna be really, really tough to pick this game. Man. And they're playing in Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, you know what? Even though they're playing in Jacksonville and Minshew Mania is wide open and these guys, you know, their defense is still playing well. Wow. Uh, this, is, this is really hard. I'd like to pick Jacksonville, but I just, even without even without TJ, you know, uh, J.J. Watt, I, I might have to go with Houston, man, because Deshaun Watson just does things with football that you know he he puts his he puts his whole body out there and he just gets the job done. He just wheels that team to victory, and 
if this is a close game, which I'm quite sure it will be, um, this is a game that Sean Watson will will find a way to win. So, the winner gets first place, and then it's going to be Houston. All right. Ray, you have the 1-7 Washington Redskins against the 5-2 and two Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Uh, I'm taking the Bills. I mean, I really don't trust the Bills, but I damn sure don't trust Washington. But um, so I'm happy to take, take the Buffalo Bills. Okay, I think Washington can win this game. I, I if it was at home, I'd probably take Washington, but I think Buffalo um, has to get it together after that loss to uh, Philly last week. Buck. You have the one and six New York Jets against the zero and seven Miami Dolphins in Miami. J E T. Well, I'm sorry. The Cessnas should be able to win the football game. I'm gonna take the Cessnas over over the uh, Bulldogs. Man, I think Dolphins gonna win this game. Get their first win of the season. And Ray, you got. A very big game. Chicago at three and four is traveling to Philly, who is four and four. Man, both of these teams are shaky. But I think I'm gonna have to go with Philadelphia being at home. And you know, the Bears like they just been a disappointment this year. But I hope they keep losing because that draft pick getting lower and lower. I'm being filled out. Okay. Is it safe to say whoever loses this game may miss the playoffs? Yes. All right. Chicago is in last place in the NFC North. So uh, this could be it for them. All right, Buck. You have four and four Tennessee against four and three Carolina. At Carolina. I'm going to take Carolina. I'm not I'm not putting my confidence in Tennessee at all. I'm taking Carolina all the way. Man, I don't know. We're going to find out what Ryan Tannehill is made of. All right. Ray, you have another good game. The 6-2 Minnesota Vikings travel to Arrowhead Stadium to face the 5-3 Kansas City Chiefs. Well, the way Minnesota been playing lately, Ray Dalvin Cook been running that rock. Ray Kirk Cousins been throwing that rock. I'm going to have to take Minnesota in this one without Pat Mahomes. And uh, I like Minnesota in this one, even if Pat Mahomes play. I don't think there's any magic in Arrowhead Stadium anymore. And um, I think the Vikings can go in there and run that ball. And keep Mahomes on the sidelines if he does play. So, um, but it's a big game, and it's it's a one o'clock game for some reason. I would have had that game in the afternoon. And uh, Buck, you have the five and two AFC South leading Indianapolis Colts coming to Pittsburgh to play the three and four Steelers. I'm gonna take my boys, man. If we were playing the Indianapolis, I'd probably go Indy. I'm going Pittsburgh, man. I, I think we're starting to heat up a little bit. Our defense is playing very well. 
starting to make, you know, we we multiple turnovers in a lot of games this season, and we've been close. But now we're starting to get, you know, those close games are starting to become W's. So I just think that, you know, as hot as Indy is playing right now, we're playing at home. And uh, I just think that Mason may get his feet up on them a little bit better. And now that the injuries are starting, you know, we'll see if Connor plays, but we got plenty of running back depth. I'm not worried about that. I think it's a game we can win. So I think we get we can get the job done. All right. And Ray, you have the two and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to the six and two Seattle Seahawks. I'm gonna take the Seahawks basically because they're at home and Russell Wilson played for the Seahawks and Jameis Winston played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) All right. And Buck, the 7-1 Green Bay Packers against the 3-5 LA Chargers. Packers. No matter where they're playing, they could be playing in Green Bay, they could be playing in L.A. Packers. Right now, until I see somebody stop them, I'm picking the Packers. All right. Ray, you have the 3-3-1 Detroit Lions traveling to Oakland to play the 3-4 Raiders. Ray? Right. Oh, I'm on. I'm on mute. My bad. Oh, I say I'm picking Oakland to win this game. I think it's a game that we can win. I think um, it'd be good. It'd be good for us to get home. I know Detroit can play some really good football. So, you know, the wide receivers they got Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. They're gonna be a tough cover because them guys can can really get up and down the field. But at the same time, I think with our team, if we got enough guys healthy, we can win this game. So I'm picking us to win this one in a close with 24, maybe 27, something like that. Okay. And, Buck, you have the 2-5 and five Cleveland Browns against the 2-6 and six Denver Broncos. Broncos are starting a rookie quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. And this game, who gives a damn who wins? <laughs> um, well, um, you get you flack up through the man under the bus, and his neck's out. His neck's out of whack, so they're starting a rookie quarterback. Um, I'm going to actually go with the Denver Broncos. Um I know they don't have, you know, they they traded away their wide receiver out there to San Francisco, and Flacco, you know, pretty much said, you know, y'all suck, you know, with this, the way y'all calling these plays. But I think that's what he needed to say to get this team rallied. And, um, you know, Flacco may have played his last down in Denver, but he may have done just enough to get these boys to start playing. I ain't seen enough from Cleveland. I don't know if Cleveland can win another game. Um but they playing in Denver, so I'm going with Denver. Okay. 
and Ray. You have the undefeated Patriots at 8-0 against the 5-2 Baltimore Ravens, Sunday Night Football. Man, I'm going to actually take Baltimore in this game. Patriots got to lose sometime. And I think with the awkward style of Baltimore, I think Lamar Jackson and team can come in there and really uh, press these guys. And I think uh, Mark Andrews at tight end is probably one of the best kept secrets in the NFL. That guy can really play. So I'm going to pick Baltimore to give New England their first loss. All right. And Mark Jackson got a chip on his shoulder because they didn't pick him. I mean, when you think about it, um, this is the year of the young tight ends. We've got a lot of tight ends that are stepping up this year and being recognized in, in Houston and in Oakland. And so um, it's good to see the resurgence of the tight end again. Get a new class of, of guys. All right, Monday night, I have Dallas 4-3 and three against the 2-6 and six Giants. This will be the first time the Cowboys have seen Daniel Jones. Um I'm actually worried about this game, in all honesty. Uh, this is the type of game that Dallas likes to lose. Um, so I, I'm, I'm having a tough one, to be honest with you, um, in picking this game. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm coming off a of bye week. You would think the team would have it together. Having, having Michael Bennett is going to make a huge difference on the offensive line. But um, for some reason, my gut is telling me the Giants are going to win this game. I hope I'm wrong. I was wrong about the Philadelphia game, so I hope I'm wrong about this one. But I, I just feel uneasy about this game because Jason Garrett just doesn't get team, his team up for the team they're, you know, the, the division type of rival you need to put away like this. But, I mean, he did it against Philly last week, so can he do it in back-to-back games? I don't know. But he's going to have to prove it to me. All right, so we'll go ahead and do some Who Am I's and get ready to wrap up this part of the podcast. And uh, y'all ready? Yep. All right, here we go. Go ahead, let's do it. I'm a six foot three, two hundred and forty nine pound punter um, from the College of Iowa. Oh, drafted in the sixth round. By the Miami Dolphins in 1983. Oh, man. The black dude. I can't think of what his name is. There's several the black, black dudes, right? <laughs> no, not, not 250 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know I'm telling the truth. It's a black dude. He died at the age of 43. Oh, man. I can't think of his name. I can... I can see him dark skinned black dude too. He had a son that played, I think, um, for the te- Titan Titans, I think. What was he a running back? A punter. Nah, kicker. That's what I'm saying, punter. Ain't been too many black punters in the league. Reginald Payne. Yeah, that's his name. Reginald Henry Roby. All right, I am a 5'11", 211-pound running back. Drafted in the second round in 2018 
out of Auburn by the Detroit Lions. Twenty two oh, um, years old. Johnson. Carryon Johnson. I am a six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pound wide receiver. Um, undrafted out of Monmouth, but played most of my career with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, From 2006 the, the to little, 2013. The, the little guy. Um, now nah, he ain't little. Beasley, Beasley. Cold, cold, no. Huh? 6'2", 215. Oh, okay. My bad. And, and, he, and he, what year was this? Uh, he played with the Cowboys from 2006 to 2013, and he played one season in Cleveland and one in Philadelphia. Oh, oh, oh uh, the boy with the with the light color, like Austin, Austin, uh, that, uh, nah, Austin, uh, his last name, Austin. You got it. Miles, Jonathan, yeah. Austin. Miles, Austin. Miles, Austin. Austin. Yeah. Six feet tall, 209-pound running back. Drafted in the fourth round this year by the Dallas Cowboys out of Memphis. Who am I? Is? Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard. Pollard. Got two more. Five foot seven, 190 pounds, running back. 53 years old. Drafted by the Giants in the fifth round in 1989 out of Morgan State. Joe Morris. Nope. Joe Morris. Nope. Um, he's uh, a kick returner, a very good kick returner for the Giants and the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, the guy that got locked up and all that. What's his name? Dave, uh, Dave, Dave Megan. Look at that little Megan run, David Lee Megan. Mm-hmm. Last one, six foot three. 195-pound defensive back, 31 years old, drafted in the fifth round out of Stanford in 2011 by the Seattle Seahawks. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. Richard Kevin Sherman. Kevin Sherman. All right. So that's going to do it for this portion of the podcast. I want to thank all of you for listening. Go to talktheq.com to get more information on the show sign up for the email newsletter so you can have the podcast delivered to your inbox every time it drops everyone have a good day peace out hey what up q what up radio world You play to win. Do you have any questions? I got a question. You got any excuses tonight, Roy? Playoffs? What are you talking about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Be a dog. You don't need no meow.
dogs. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? 